0: Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a amazing guest. Miss Leah Hadley is a nationally recognized financial empowerment expert. She's committed to providing personalized, compassionate financial guidance through life transitions. Her ability to hunt down appropriate resources and careful financial planning has been critical to her peace of mind. A former investment analyst, sought after speaker, and award-winning financial planner, Leah is the founder of Great Lakes Investment Management and Great Lakes Divorce Financial Solutions. As an accredited financial counselor, a certified divorce financial analyst, a mediator, Leah uses her knowledge and more than 15 years of experience to help her clients make intentional financial decisions Welcome to the podcast, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, as these guys can tell just from your bio, there is so much knowledge, so much information just in your years of experience here. So I'm so excited to tap into all of that. And you guys, we're going to talk about financial freedom after divorce and really what kind of practical steps we can use to rebuild and thrive. But Leah, I read a little bit more about you on the back end. And I know that, you know, you have a personal attachment to all the work that you've been doing. Can you tell us a little bit about you and why you're so passionate to do this kind of work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've honestly had several experiences in my life that have led me to doing this kind of work. You know, I was raised by a single mom. My parents divorced when I was eight years old. And I witnessed my mom's challenges through the years. And um, I had a moment that part of what I do is serving my mom. You know, it's just, you know, the women that I work with very much represent who I witnessed growing up and, you know, the the challenges that she had. And um, it was very eye opening for me, but it was also one of those moments where I was just like, yes, this this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. But I also went through my own divorce. I was married for 10 years. Um, my ex-husband and I uh, adopted three children together out of foster care. Wow. So we went from zero to three overnight, which was
0: a lot wow. of stuff in our
1: marriage, as I'm sure you can imagine. And so they were they were young when we got divorced. They were my youngest was still a toddler. The other two, I don't know offhand, maybe like eight and nine, something like that. And, you know, navigating the challenges of figuring out like, what is co-parenting? What does that look like? How's that gonna work for us, you know? And just the ongoing, all right, well, now we're both remarried and there are other people in the picture. And so, you know, we've just had a lot of changes and transitions and each one of those, while some of them have been incredibly positive, like bringing three children into our lives, they present financial challenges. So when you have a big life change, positive, negative, neutral, a big life change is going to have a financial impact and having the tools and resources to navigate through that, you can make it more graceful or less graceful. And, uh, you know, I just want to see people be able to make the decisions that they want to make that are in alignment with what they want to do and truly understand the impact of those decisions. Because mm-hmm. I think that's where I was really fortunate in having the tools and being able to find the resources and having people to talk to to navigate all of this with as much ease as possible. And even with all those tools, Heidi, it's not easy. <laughs> um, exactly. And so that that really has made me so passionate about the work that I do. (laughs)
0: Mm, I love the mix of personal and professional in everything that we do. I like to say, you know, there's a ton of coaches out there. There's a lot of life coaches out there. There's a lot of divorce coaches out there, but not all of them have actually experienced what divorced women have experienced. So going through it yourself, feeling it at a deep cellular level on your own, the financial strains, the financial gains, the financial, all the different pieces of that on your own. I love the fact that you put two and two together, a way to honor your mother, Mm. you know, without intentionally doing it, but just seeing all that she went through and then you going through it and just really pouring your life's work into serving in such a big way is so important. When I went through my divorce, I didn't even know that this service existed, which is the number one reason why I wanted you to come on this podcast today was to lend line of sight into the fact that there are people like you who are certified and specialized in like a certified divorce financial analyst, holy smokes, and then drop a mediator on top of that. It's just huge. So before we dive in even really deep into our topics, can you talk a little bit about what a certified divorce financial analyst and mediator does?
1: Yes, and I'm so glad you asked this question. And it's so important because you're right. So many people have no idea that this is even an option. And I cannot even tell you, I couldn't count how many people over the years have said to me, oh, I wish I knew about you 10 years ago, because they know that they could have made better financial decisions. But a certified divorce financial analyst is somebody who has made a commitment to formalized education and training around the financial analysis that goes into dividing assets and planning through a divorce. And mm-hmm. there is a lot to it. I like to think about it. It's kind of a funny way to say it, but it's like financial planning on steroids, right? Like you are making so many decisions and you are considering so many things in such a short period of time that has a huge long-term impact, right? So yes. it's everything from looking at you know, sure. What, what are the assets? What portion of the assets are marital? What portion of them are not going to be included in the division, right? It's looking at what does our lifestyle cost us? And is it realistic to be able to maintain that post-divorce? It's looking at, all right, now I was on maybe my, for me, I was on my husband's health insurance when we were divorced and then I lost that insurance as part of the divorce, right? It's looking at how do we figure this all out in a tax efficient way, because divorce is expensive enough. I certainly don't wanna be wasting a ton of money on taxes that I don't need to be paying. So it's really looking at every aspect of somebody's financial situation and providing them the support, looking through the lens of the divorce and certainly leaning on the attorneys for the legal advice, but not just what in this moment makes sense, but what makes sense for your future? Because a lot of times, especially when we're under a tremendous amount of stress, it really can make us very short-sighted because it's like, what is the easiest possible thing right now? But that means that in a lot of cases, we're missing that, oh, this is going to be this big tax burden if I'm doing it this way. Whereas, you know, if I hadn't considered that. So um, people who have the CDFA designation are required to not only do this formalized training program and the exams associated with it, but then also continuing education, specifically related to divorce. So let's face it, laws change, things change. Certainly the tax laws that we've seen changing over the last several years have had a big impact on people's financial analysis. And we're required to keep up with all that information in order to really be able to support people well through this process. And I chose to go through and do mediation training as well, because a lot of times I'm not only working with one of the parties, a lot of times I'm working with both of the parties in order to help them maximize their overall marital estate for both of them. Yes. Um, So it's really helpful to have the mediation background to be able to navigate that experience with both parties But also, I think one of the most common reasons why mediation fails is that people go in unprepared. And so understanding the mediation process well enough to really help my clients be prepared to negotiate in mediation, to understand sort of the range of outcomes that we're looking at and what this means for them, that just lends itself to a much more successful mediation.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is huge. I loved how you said A lot of times when you're feeling overwhelmed or overstressed, which we can definitely feel the heightened elements of that within ourselves during divorce, but it's like you're making a quick, short-term decision with what you said was something like long-term, ongoing results. And it's important. I can't tell you how many women that I work with who haven't found the right resources before going into negotiating or finalizing divorce papers or any of that. They haven't found the right resources. And then it, it's too late. And then they go, why don't I have any money? Why don't I have any rights over here? Where did it all go? And so it's so important that you have somebody who is able to look through the lens with you to know what to even look for. So what are the some of the first steps that we need to go through when creating a plan for our financial freedom? So the most
1: important really is to take the emotion out of it. And I know that that can be so hard. Believe me, I know. (laughs) Yes. But that is, and I've talked, you know, in other podcasts about this as well, about the importance of really understanding where we are at personally and Mm -hmm. recognizing that if we are in an emotional state, we may need to lean on somebody else for that guidance because you really do have to take the emotion out of it and be very realistic with the choices that you're making and recognizing that you're at a moment in time, that this may be a very difficult moment in time, but this is not going to be the rest of your life, right? And so it's okay to start getting excited about what's next. It's okay to start dreaming about, hey, now that I don't have to necessarily compromise in all these different ways, I get to think about what's most important for me. I get to think about what excites me, what motivates me, what inspires me. And maybe from a financial freedom standpoint, that doesn't necessarily mean sticking with the status quo. Maybe that means making some real changes in your life. But it really does start with getting clear about what you want, because Mm -hmm. that's going to help guide your decision making. But when you are in that emotional state and and all you can kind of think about is whatever that top stress is of mine, you're not going to be able to be in the headspace to get excited and to be thinking about what you want in this next phase of your life.
0: I think it's so important to have someone like you be a part of that process to be able to put things in perspective and remove the emotion from it. And also, I know that I felt this way. I actually didn't feel so much this way because we kind of made the same same amount of money. It was easier to just kind of like split it in half and go. But had I had someone on board that could have said, maybe you don't want to just split it in half. Maybe we can look here and look there. And what about what's next? It would have been really helpful. But I have heard women who just kind of want to like stick it to you. All right, well, you cheated on me. And so I just want to take all the money. And instead of going, okay, let me get really clear on what I want. Let me get really clear on where I'm at. Let me get really clear on what we have. I think that I mean, do you get bump do you bump up against that scenario where women are women or men are just like I want to take you for all your worth because you screwed me over?
1: We do. You know, it's one of the things, honestly, that we screen for when we're deciding whether or not to take on a client. And the Mm -hmm. reason being is I think it's really, really important for me, especially in doing this work, to work in integrity. And I have to feel really good every day when I get up in the morning about the work that I'm doing. And I used to hold the Master Analyst in uh, Financial Forensics designation. And you saw when you introduced me that I no longer hold that designation. And the reason was, and it was intentional that I was seeing all of these cases coming in with these people who were feeling very vindictive. Yeah. uh, And really wanting to dig through the financials and find, you know, and I get it. I get the anger. I do understand it. Yeah. But. Allowing anger to drive the process is not in your best interest. It's just not in your best interest. It's not in your best interest in terms of getting the outcome you want, but it's certainly not in your best interest in terms of um, like the cost associated with the divorce itself and the interactions you're going to have through the process and even just giving yourself the time and space to heal and go through this transition in a way that sets you up for something positive going forward, right? Mm. And I understand that anger is absolutely part of the grieving process that is completely and totally normal. But to have it be the driving force behind how you handle looking at a divorce settlement, you're just not going to find that it's going to get you the results that you're looking for. And so when people reach out to us and that's kind of where they're coming from, we get realistic. And we talk about the fact that, like, you know, the divorce is settled within the context of the law. Yes. Um, and there's only a range of outcomes that's going to happen. And, you know, being angry and looking at this or look going down this rabbit hole or going down that rabbit hole, sometimes it's just going to make things worse. It's not going to necessarily make things better. Um, And so depending on where somebody is coming from, that may or may not be a great fit to work together because, again, I want to feel like when I get up in the morning and I'm working with you, I am doing what's in your best interest and Mm -hmm. I'm really helping you to move into this next phase in a very successful way.
0: I think that's where it can be really, really helpful as you're navigating divorce to have a coach. Mm -hmm. Have a mentor, really have somewhere to drop in the emotional side of things so that when you show up in these really important moments with your financial advising team, with your lawyers, that you are coming in from a position of just neutrality, of more acceptance, of more care for yourself. I love what you said, if we can learn how to shift the anger, because what I always tell my clients is anger is a secondary emotion. And it's typically sadness. So under the anger is typically sadness. So I'm actually not so mad. It's just coming out and projecting as anger, but I'm really, 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 really sad. And it's coming out as anger and just throwing it out. But if we can shift that energy, and like you said earlier, get clear about what you want and get excited about what's next. If we can get excited about what's next and look at what we have, where we're at, and then where we wanna go and where we wanna grow, that can be a really, really empowering space to work with a financial analyst and really, really look at your next chapter and your next, uh, the next piece of your journey as a, a really powerful place for you to come from. So one of the things I thought of was, when is the best time for someone to get on board with you? Because we don't want people to miss That element where they're like, man, I wish I would have had this 10 years ago. I wish I would have had this a year ago. When is the best time to seek this kind of support? I always tell people as soon as
1: possible, and there are multiple reasons for that. But I'll give an example of a woman that I met with not that long ago. She actually physically came into the office here and she was like, what can we just see? Like if we were to go forward with a divorce, like roughly what are we looking at in terms of outcome? And we kind of walked through the numbers together. And she was like, oh, she's like, I'd be okay. And she's been in a very unhappy marriage for a mm. very long time. She's approaching retirement age. And the reason that she's never moved forward with finding herself a space in which she would feel happier, a relationship she would be happier in, is because she was so worried from a financial perspective that she would not be okay. Yeah, somebody who she will be just fine. And it was just you could see the light bulb go off and her all of a sudden be like, I've been in this miserable situation for so long, and I didn't have to be. And so as soon as you're really thinking that this is not a situation that you want to be in, absolutely take the time to just know what you're looking at. Just have an idea. But regardless, even if you are already in the middle of the process, the sooner the better. I'm working right now with a post-divorce issue where the language in the financial settlement agreement was just inaccurate. It just wasn't accurately representing the intention. And it's a mess. I mean, there's there's so many extra legal fees where if they had involved us, When the case was active before the agreement was signed off on, you know, and went through the judge, we could have avoided a ton of legal fees just by making sure that the language was correct and accurately represented what the parties were trying to agree to. Um, Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we see that a lot with language issues, accounts misidentified in agreements, like just all kinds of things come up post-divorce. And so I do always encourage people to reach out before the divorce is final, if at all possible. But it's not always possible. Sometimes you find out that people like us exist post-divorce, in which case we help you with the transition and the settlement of assets and all of that. But that's where I see a lot of these big issues come up, unfortunately, that could Mm -hmm. have been made a whole lot easier if we had started working together sooner. The other thing is that I get asked is, should we reach out to an attorney first? Should we reach out to somebody like you first? Like, who do I reach out to first? Right. And Heidi, sometimes I do have people say to me, they'll come and they're emotional and they can't breathe and they're just so upset. And I say to them, meet with somebody like you first. Yes. We need to get through some of the emotion to be able to really be productive in conversation. so if you are just feeling completely unsettled and you just are not feeling grounded in a way that you can have these conversations with professionals, whether it's a coach, it's a therapist, depending on what the need is, you know, you really do want to work through a piece of that first to be able to have those productive conversations. But then we can help you get organized, get your financial documents organized, get everything ready. So that can help save on the legal fees. So there's not so much back and forth with the attorneys and you're really prepared to communicate what you wanna accomplish with the attorney rather than just going in there and
0: having them lead the process for you. That's such good information. And I love the example that you used of the woman who waited and waited and waited for that, basically staying for financial security when really she didn't need to stay for financial security. And I think this is so helpful because if you can go to someone like you to go, what does this actually look like? What am I looking at? When you know that it's headed, even starting to head in that direction. We know viscerally in our gut that it's coming. We know, we try to avoid it. We try to use our brains to try to make decisions for us and like put the pump, the brakes on because we need to stay safe. But the reality is like, we know it's coming. So just by getting the information and getting a little bit of clarity around this, and then like you said, partnering with a therapist or a coach or someone to help you work through the emotional side, And then you can bring in the legal side of things paired with what you've got going on. And it all works really beautifully together. Because I've also heard lawyers say the same thing to me. Oh, man, I wish we had someone like you that our clients were working with because they come in. It's kind of like the equivalent of I used to be a personal trainer back in the day and people would come in and I acted more like a coach than I did a personal trainer because they'd come in and offload, 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 offload. Well, you're not there to do that. You're there to kind of like adjust your physical well-being and all the things, right? It's kind of like that with lawyers and financial analysts too. Like you guys are there to really provide a specific service and get it done in a timely fashion so they can move forward with their life in the best way possible. But our emotions can get so stuck in the way sometimes. So on that note, what are common mistakes that people make with their divorce that can cost them Thousands of dollars. There have to be those things that are just like the pain points of financials. What are those things? <laughs> there are
1: numerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a couple that I will highlight. One is just when you go through a divorce, it is very common to feel very tired with the process. Yeah. And when you're done, you're done. <laughs> you don't necessarily <laughs> want to have to do anything else related to this life transition, right? But delaying dividing things Ooh. can end up costing huge amounts of money for a variety of different reasons, right? Ooh. So, the most common tend to have to do with retirement assets. Some of the retirement assets, you know, if it's an employer retirement account, so if it's an ERISA governed account, it requires a qualified domestic relations order in order to be able to divide the account, okay? That is an order that does get signed by the judge. It gets filed with the plan administrator. Their legal team has to review and approve it before the distribution of assets can happen. Now, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of things that come up when these Quadros or QDROs, depending on what area of the country you live in, sometimes people call them Quadros, sometimes people call them Q-dros, But. All kinds of things come up related to these documents where maybe the plan was not identified correctly or somebody moved and the address changed or they get rejected for a variety of different reasons. Mm. But there is language in there around how those assets are to be provided. When, like as of what date, what happens with gains and losses from that date of the division to the date of the distribution. Well, now some of the plans have actually changed things where they're not willing to calculate those things for you. So if you wait too long, you might be missing out on a ton of investment gains. Now, you may miss out on investment losses too, depending, but that can be a big issue, right? Not getting it filed. And that's like one of the post-divorce cases we have right now that we're working through. These people divorced, I don't know, like 10 years ago, and they never filed the documents to divide the accounts while the employer moved the account. Now they can't do it based on the original agreement. Anyway, there's all these extra, you know, both parties are represented by counsel. There's all these additional legal expenses. We're doing the financial analysis to determine what should have happened.
0: Wow. Um,
1: And so anyway, it becomes very messy and expensive and unnecessary. Didn't have to
0: happen. (laughs) Yeah. And it's Um, it's that type of thing that is so important for someone to point out that it's even part of the process, right. right? I feel like there's so many of these line item things that you just think, Oh, I have a bank account. You have a bank account. Maybe we have a shared bank account. As long as we split those things up and, you know, whatever's in our house, we're good to go, right? Wink, wink. And then you forget <laughs> about all these other line items. And yeah. then you think, okay, I'm done with this person in my life. And then it can come back to bite you. Absolutely. When we do post-transition support, the
1: first thing we do is, with a very fine-tooth comb, go through that settlement agreement and make Mm. a very detailed list of things that need to be followed up on. And the vast majority of the time, even when somebody is engaging us post-divorce, there are things that are outstanding that haven't actually been executed upon. Where there's language in the agreement where it's so vague, it's like, well, whose responsibility is this? Well, we never talked about it. So I don't know. And maybe you're not in communication with that person. So this isn't an easy thing to facilitate, you know? So there are lots of things that come up with just literally not following through on the agreements or not knowing the process of how to follow through on these agreements. Yeah. So I described the Qualified Domestic Relations Order, which is a legal document, but lots of the financial institutions have their own paperwork. And mm. sometimes you may need to go in to an institution where you didn't have an account open an account in your name to be able to even transition those assets into your name. But if Mm. you don't take that step to establish the account, you don't have anywhere to send them.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: There's lots of issues like that that come up.
0: Yeah, it's like get ahead of the game and know have someone tell you what to look for. A big part of what I do as your divorce planner is that planning process, right? What's your next best step going through, checking all? So yours, your checks and balances is so, so important because money is such a big, big pain point for folks going through this process. So what are some ways that we can help people ease their post-divorce financial transition?
1: Yeah. So a big one is to recognize that life has changed. And, you know, that may feel uncomfortable that, you know, but we do have to be realistic about the fact that everything is not going to stay the same. And one of the most challenging things that people find from a financial standpoint is that they are trying to live like nothing has changed. And that can mean staying in a house they can't really afford. Mm -hmm. That can mean struggling to pay the bills every month, you know, when maybe cash flow felt more comfortable when they were married. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it can mean having to, you know, get rid of a vehicle that maybe you love, but isn't really fitting your new lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's so easy for us to look at what people are posting on social media, these amazing vacations, right? I hear that from people all the time, actually. Oh, yeah. Friend their uh, their ex on social media for whatever reason. Like I discourage that.
0: Yes, do <laughs> but, not. I call that there's a there's a word in in my coaching called trolling. Tanya. She's she's one of our divorce distractor characters that we play with, and she is always poking around at what he's doing or what his new partner's doing, and it's just so messy and so painful. So don't be a trolling Tanya. It doesn't help. <laughs>
1: right. Um, but what happens is people will see. They'll see their ex get a new car, or they'll see the place their ex just bought or they'll hear from their kids about like, oh, this new furniture or whatever it is. The vacations come up all the time. He did this. He went on this vacation, whatever it is. And I will just tell you, looking at people's finances all day, every day, just because somebody spends that money does not mean that they could afford to spend it. It does not mean that they are making financial decisions that are in alignment with their long term goals it doesn't even necessarily mean that the financial piece of that felt good at all. In a Mm. lot of cases, and I'll tell you personally, I tell my own story all the time about my own financial missteps. So the first thing I did after my divorce was refurnish my bedroom. I wanted it cleared out. I wanted it to be all my space, right? But we yep. had all of the, uh, the debt associated with the divorce. And that was not the big time to be like refurnishing my bedroom. And then the other thing I did was one of my very best friends from college was actually getting married when I was getting divorced and she had a bachelorette party on a cruise. And so spent money to go on this cruise that I couldn't afford. And so if anybody was looking at social media, and I'm all excited about my new bedroom, and I don't know if I posted that stuff or not, I'm not actually a big, big poster. But regardless, the point being that somebody could have easily looked at my spending decisions and thought, well, she sure is living the high life. And the reality was, I paid for those decisions for a long time, because that's not something that I could afford. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's That's normal. People do make emotional spending decisions. You know, they do all kinds of things for a variety of different reasons. You got to get your hands out of somebody else's pocketbook and just worry about what is important to you, what really matters to you, not what your neighbor's doing, not what your ex is doing, not what your friend's doing, but recognizing that your financial situation has changed. And are you making the best decisions in alignment with your new situation? And also, again, recognizing this is a moment in time. So while I ended my divorce with a tremendous amount of debt and, um, you know, wasn't necessarily in a place to be spending like that. I also had the opportunity to build two businesses from scratch and create a life that excites me and that I love. And while that didn't mean that I necessarily had discretionary spending money for a long time, because you know, as well as anybody, Heidi, building a business isn't easy, right? It did mean that I got to be empowered to take control and do what I wanted with my life. And you know, looking at what everybody else was doing and trying to live like nothing had changed, it just wouldn't have done me any good at all.
0: You know what? I, I love that share. And I also on the flip side of it, have recently spoken to a woman who inherited a lot of money from her ex and because she wasn't the breadwinner, so she inherited a lot of money. And in my opinion, it would be really helpful for someone who inherits a lot of money because if you if that's another life change, Mm -hmm. even though you've been living under the same roof, you may have had your money kind of siphoned out, maybe an allowance type of thing. And and maybe your spouse is controlling all the finances or looking over after all the finances. So you don't have line of sight. It's your first time looking at your finances on your own and managing your bank account. It is, in my opinion, it is critical. They get someone like you on their side to go okay Absolutely.
1: because that's, it's kind of like lottery winners right like that's you know, it many of them don't have any money a year or two later it's unbelievable right that's it that's, that's it. it
0: that's it and I actually had one of uh, a family member of hers reach out to me and say do you think you can help her because she thinks she's living her best life and pretty soon we're going to be having her live in our house because she's living this lavish lifestyle and so there's both sides of it, right? It's like the side of you that knows you don't have it, but you want to kind of pretend you do. And the side of you that has it, but doesn't realize how quickly that cash flow goes or boop, an unexpected court case comes up against you or whatever it is. And you don't have that reserve that you thought you had to back you up. So really- uh, acknowledging the change is huge. I know that I was living in California at the time that I went through my divorce. It is not the cheapest place in the world to live. We were living on the beach, on the water in a two-bedroom high-rise apartment, but we were both making six figures in order to do that for the first time in our lives. And we were younger and we were doing all the things, but then we split off. And it's amazing. Uh, we went from this two-bedroom high-rise beach apartment. But I didn't want to leave the beach. And so I searched and I searched and I searched and I searched. And Leah, I found a one, not even a one bedroom. I found a studio apartment with a pull-out Murphy bed that like had old springs and all the things. that had blue, royal blue carpet, but it was on the beach in a shitty building that was falling apart with no parking and no washer and dryer. But I was like, I can afford to live here still on my own. But it was a huge change. I had to acknowledge that, I couldn't pay $2,200 a month and his half of it. I now had $1,500 a month and I wanted that same lifestyle, but I couldn't afford to go into the deep end, the dark end, the red line. I wasn't willing to do that. So it is a change and it is a transition. And I love how you said, this is where you are right now. And then two years later, I got another raise, climbing the ranks at a company and I moved into my dream apartment Two blocks down, another high rise, doing it all on my own. So it can change. We just have to acknowledge it, move through it, make a game plan for how to move through what we want in this next chapter. And the financial backing is just a huge piece of this. So for the people who are feeling like, oh, man, this feels like overwhelming, what is the most important step someone can take to increase their financial confidence? Yeah, So,
1: it really starts with getting very clear on what your big stresses are. You know, you have all these things that are swimming around in your head. And I always encourage people just get out some paper and a pencil and just dump it all out, get it all out on paper. What are you really worried about? Because a lot of times the things that we are worried about, there's not really a basis for them. They're just like things that we're creating out of like nothing, right? But there are some things that are really important to acknowledge and address, right? Like there are some things. And one of the big ones that people worry a lot about is, am I going to be able to afford my living situation? That is a very common concern. And will I lose the house? Will I? Yeah. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes we have to be very realistic and say that in this moment of time, this living situation is not going to work for you it doesn't mean that you have to give up everything you want like you found the place on the beach you still right. on the beach right but it's looking at what is really most important to you and acknowledging the fact that something may need to change but get it out of your head at first And a lot of times, the things that are so worrying to you are things that you may need more information about. Like you may just truly not know the answer to that, right? And this is a big one with people right now trying to figure out if they can afford to stay in their homes. Because with interest rates having gone up, most people who are coming out of a divorce situation, even if they don't have a mortgage, a lot of times they're taking a mortgage to pay out the equity owed to the spouse, or maybe there is a mortgage, it may need to get refinanced. And then, you know, there's a new appraisal done, home values have gone up, property taxes have gone up. So can I actually afford to stay in the house has become a much more complicated question than it was for years because we didn't have to factor in all of these other things. But now we really have to look at What is the actual cost of the mortgage going to be? If there's a mortgage, something needs to be refinanced. Is that even possible? Can you afford that? But then there's also always the cost associated with the maintaining of the home, you know? Like, do I need to have somebody cut the grass now? Do I have, you know, I'm in Cleveland. Do I need somebody to shovel the driveway? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Whatever those extra costs are, right? But when we have all these things spinning around in our minds, that's not doing any good. There's nothing productive about that. So when you can really get it out on paper and identify where are the areas that you're feeling really worried, and you can either beef up your knowledge if it's just a feeling of like not having enough information or you need more information and have somebody run the analysis. We do tons of scenario analysis for people who are considering a variety of different options so they can Hmm. see in clear terms like this is what this means for me, right? Hmm. Or it's literally just identifying what can I do about this because some some of these things you are completely in, in control and you can take control and do them right we offer tons and tons of just free workshops to help increase people's financial literacy so if that's an area where you're just feeling really like I want to build up my skill set in terms of managing money take advantage of stuff like that there's tons of opportunities
0: yeah. And I went out to check out your website, your Instagram. Like, I don't mess around when I'm interviewing somebody. I want to make sure that people know all that you've got to offer. And she's not lying, you guys. Leah has so many workshops and materials out there that you can click on that you can join. It's so epic. I wish that I would have known that someone like you existed back in the day because I would have taken every single course. I my ex was in control of our finances. And so it there were things like secret credit cards and I just thought that we could afford all the things that we have. I didn't know how things were being managed. And so I can own that now after going through a lot of healing and and not blaming and shaming myself, but really taking ownership of going like, wow, now I do want to be in charge of those things in my life. And I do want to meet with financial planners. I do want to understand the stocks and the bonds and the stuff like that, that can kind of make your head spin. It, It can be a really empowering process once you get somebody on your team to partner with to move you in the direction that you want to go and that you want to grow. So I love this so much. What are some questions that we can ask ourselves when we're trying to split up our assets to make sure that we still have financial security?
1: Yeah, this is a great question. And it's so, so, so important. And the biggest that I don't think people focus on when they're dividing assets has to do with liquidity and making sure that you have access to cash, especially since a lot of people really run down a lot of their cash in the divorce process, might be taking on debt. But having liquidity, having liquid assets, cash assets, gives you flexibility and choice. A lot of times people will give up cash assets maybe to stay in their house, for example, so they don't have to do like a cash out refinancing or something like that. All right, well, now you have this house that you're in that has all of these expenses associated with it. And for a lot of people, they're not walking out of the divorce with any real savings to deal with what may come up with the house, right? Mm. You know, maybe you need a new roof or you need new windows or whatever may come up. You still have to deal with those things. And so really focusing on making sure that you have access to some liquid cash, whatever that looks like in your financial situation, you want that to be a top priority. And especially if you're not a big income earner, you can't count on additional cash coming in, that becomes even more important. Now, I would love to say that everybody receives their spousal support payments and child support payments on time, and that just happens magically and beautifully for everybody. But the fact of the matter is that it doesn't, unfortunately. And I know that's a real problem, but I also know that because I see it all the time, it's a real risk that we can plan for, right? And that's a big part of what financial planning is, is looking at where's the risk and how do we manage that, right? And so looking at, okay, I'm taking on this house responsibility and I don't have the cash associated with dealing with it, but I think that I'm going to get my spousal support payment on time every month. And then wait, now I have the mortgage due and I haven't gotten the money. And, you know, like, let's look at that. Let's be realistic about that and say, okay, what can I do to really protect myself? And having liquidity is just, like I said, gives you flexibility and choice. So first and foremost, I always like to look at Is there savings? And if there's not savings, is there a way for us to take the assets that exist and create savings? So everybody does have the options and flexibility and can manage through some of those risks post-divorce. But the other big things that we're always looking at And I will tell you, if you're working with a divorce financial analyst, they're always wanting more information than people think they need to provide. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But a big one is tax planning. We do a lot of looking at, all right, what are the tax implications associated with doing things in different ways? And making sure that if you are creating a tax liability, that you're planning for it, that you know that you're creating it and that you have the funds set aside to handle it. Mm -hmm. And so looking at things through that lens... Sometimes that means we need more information. We might need information about you know, cost basis of investments, about you know, renovations that you've made in your house because we're trying to adjust cost basis for the house and figuring out what the tax would be on a sale or something like that. So if you're working with a divorce financial analyst, get them all the financials that they're asking for because they're trying to do it for your best interest and in looking at all of these different things. But another one that's really common is just being savvy when it comes to making investment decisions, right? And if you are not necessarily a person who feels really comfortable making investment decisions, maybe you don't fight for half of that more complicated investment that exists. And maybe you look at some other asset... Um, unless it does make sense to liquidate that. And there's not going to be a huge tax obligations associated with that. But like being real with yourself and like, this is the marital estate. This is what it looks like. If I'm taking half of it or whatever portion I'm taking of it, and I'm responsible for it, do I have the skills to manage what I'm taking on? You know, a lot of times Mm. people will take on rental properties as part of their agreement, but then they're hiring a property management company that didn't previously have that expense associated with it. And now maybe they're losing money on the rental property because that wasn't something that they were prepared to manage, right? And Mm so just because you're taking the property, number one, doesn't mean you have to keep it. Um, But if you are, you want to make sure that you've considered what does it actually mean to maintain this property? And is it part of what I want going forward or not? It may be a fantastic source of income for you, may also be a fantastic source of stress for you yeah, um, and so being realistic about what the assets are, how liquid they are, tax implications, if you're going to make adjustments, and all of that should be considered as you're looking at how to divide things.
0: Ooh, that is so helpful because I think again, kind of like going to that like, want to take it all men- mentality. It's not necessarily in your best interest to take things that you know nothing about, or like you said, have the skill sets to navigate and manage that can also really hurt you instead of help you. So finding, using someone with your skill set to help you find the right fit for you and all of your assets could be a huge, huge, huge benefit. What do you think is one thing Our listeners can do today. Our show is all about creating your comeback, right? What's one thing that they could take away from today to start creating their comeback based on the chat we just had?
1: So, I would say to get clear about what you want is really, really important. And that allows you to make decisions in alignment with what you want. And that may sound simple to some of the people who are listening, but for a lot of people who are listening, you're going through this huge transition and you're thinking about how I've lost what I wanted. It can be really, really hard to start to think realistically about what I want for myself. But the more you can kind of really tune in in internally, and again, this isn't what's the neighbor doing? What's the ex doing? What's your expectation? None of that. But really for you, like really taking some time to get to know yourself again and what you want, then you Mm -hmm. can really start to create that plan for financial freedom we have a webinar on our our website that's completely free that you can find like specific steps that you can take to really dive into what that looks like. But before you can even do that, it really is what is most important to you? What do you value?
0: What do you want to prioritize? And have that be your guiding star. Ooh, I love that so much. And And I found that part of the process to actually be really hard for me. If you just sit with yourself when you're all by yourself in your house for the first time and you go, what do I want? I know my brain went, I have no idea. (laughs) And I think it does that for many reasons. I think it gets fearful. I think it gets scared. But I think it also goes, whoa, if I could have my life now, now I actually can have my life look however I want. There's too many options. Right. So really, the other thing, Heidi, is a lot of times people would be like, well, I want to do this, but no, take out the but. Take what out. Do you want? <laughs> yes, I love this rule. Just start writing down because I always tell my clients, you have permission to change your mind That's at right. any time. At any time you have permission to change your mind. So write it down for today and then revisit it a week from now and see if it still really hits home. Oh, I'm gonna cross that one out because what I really want is I don't even want to live by the ocean anymore. Now I want to move to Oregon and I want to live in the woods by the river. Okay. That's it. You know, whatever it is. So I love, 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 love this tip. And I I know our listeners should definitely uh, go after that as well. How can our friends get more of you in their life? Where can they find you? How can they get more of you? I'm everywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think the best way to really interact with me would be we do a free Facebook group. It's called Watch Her Thrive. We do stream a live show in there every single Tuesday about some different financial topics. Sometimes I interview some folks that will um, go into specialties that aren't mine, but still financially related. And that's just a good place to connect with other people who are going through exactly what you're going through, really ready to embrace financial independence and look at what does that mean for me? How do I get support? What questions do I have? It's a safe space to ask those things because everybody's been there. Um, so you don't have to worry. But um, Instagram, I am also on there as Watch Her Thrive. And we do stream the live show on LinkedIn as well. And you can just look me up as Leah Hadley there.
0: Awesome. And I know that a ways back when you were first going through your own situation, you're actually a published author. So Leah has a book. You can get it on Amazon. It's called When It's Just Not Working, A Practical Divorce Guide for Stay-at-Home Moms. So if you find yourself as a stay-at-home mom or you want to check out that resource, it is on Amazon and we'll add it in the show notes.
1: Thank you. Um, I'll just have a little message for those stay-at-home moms Mm -hmm. out there that I know that it is particularly scary when you have been home and you've made this commitment to your family and you've relied on your spouse for income to consider a termination of marriage. And so that was the inspiration behind uh, that particular book is because I do recognize For those folks in particular, it is scary. And so you do need the tips and guidance because it's so important and you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this one way or the other, but it doesn't have to be so hard. And so that's what that book is about, is really Mm -hmm. getting practical about helping people to walk
0: through it in a way that with greater ease. That's so beautiful. I'm so glad that that's out in the world. That's so beautiful. I have two closing questions that I always ask everybody. They're always the same. So the first one is, what is one thing, Leah, that you love about you?
1: I love helping people. It is something that I'm very proud of. It's something that I've committed my life to. And it's something that I
0: do truly appreciate about myself. Mm, I can feel that genuineness within you. That's amazing. And then the last question is, what does joy feel like in your body?
1: So I love this question and I do a lot of um, like breath work and energy healings and just all kinds of things to really raise my own vibration. And so for for me, joy is that feeling of warmth that you feel from the sunshine, Mm. but instead of coming out towards you, like coming towards you externally, it's coming from within you. So really feeling that light and sunshine within you going outward.
0: Ooh, it gives me tingles. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm a sunshine, sunshine seeker at all times. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful that you found our podcast and so grateful for all the epic golden nuggets that you shared today. So thank you for being here. I can't wait for our listeners to just get more of you in their life. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my absolute pleasure. And to the rest of you guys, thanks for tuning in. Remember, you are loved. You are worthy, you are enough. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would take a quick screenshot and share it now, or leave a five-star review. So this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at your divorce planner, or go to your divorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with your divorce planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved. You are worthy. You are enough. Take care.